Hello and welcome to the Maximu Theater and Performance Podcast. This is our November and December preview. Enjoy the show. Okay, how do we do this? We start with introductions. <laughs> been a while. Jack, who are you? Hi, I'm Jack. I haven't been here in a while. But I, but yeah, I'm Jack. I'm the associate dramaturg for new writing at the Joseph Pat Public Theater. My views are my own. That's right. And Jose. My views are Jack's. As always. Yeah. And I'm Jose Solis from stagebuddy.com. And I'm Lindsay. I'm the convener. We are here to talk about what we are excited to see in November and possibly December. We possibly. don't usually do a preview episode in December because there's not a ton of new theater and there is a lot of holiday theater, which is not our specialty. Mm. So we do plan to have an end of the year pod where we review the year and talk about what we've enjoyed and disliked where we gather together our most frequent contributors so that will be in late december but now we're talking about what we're looking forward to so jack why don't you start oh i'm so excited i haven't done this in so long what if i'm bad at it you guys Mm. it's okay so well here's (laughs) so actually to that end here's something that i did is all the shows that i picked to talk about today are shows that i've already seen or otherwise experienced so I can I feel like I, maybe I can talk with them with more facility than something that I know nothing about that's a lot of authority to bring to the preview <laughs> podcast and I feel like maybe we are going to be diminished by your excellence but what if, what if I'm wrong about all of these things I guess you'll have to find out <laughs> well so the first show uh, I want to talk about is coming to the Atlantic Theater and it is a play called Describe the Night by Rajiv Joseph who you may know from Broadway's Bengal Tiger at the Baghdad Zoo as well as one of my favorite shows for from the past couple years, Guards at the Taj, which was also at the Atlantic. Which was discussed on the pod and is a great conversation if you're interested in that play. And critically, they are super careful about spoilers on that episode. So much so (laughs) that I wasn't on that episode. And I literally texted the person and I was like, spoil that show for me right now. I must know what happens. Yeah, it's a whole thing. (laughs) That scene two, act one, scene two of, of Guards at the Taj is one of the treasured memories I have of sitting in a theater knowing nothing about it. Well, this is a little different because both uh, in in subject matter and in approach. So what Rajiv has done is written this sort of massive play about Russia. And it's a play that takes place over the course of 90 years. It, it starts, there's three time periods. One is in 1920, and it's about um, a Russian writer who is trying to avoid being uh, arrested by the state for writing subversive poetry and uh, and essays. And then we flash forward to the 90s where perhaps some descendants of this era are are in uh, in Dresden and there's like a little love story that happens. And then we flash forward to once again to 2010, which I don't know if you all remember this horrible thing that happened in 2010 where like a big chunk of the Polish government was on an airplane that crashed and there was a whole conspiracy theory about why that happened and it was this huge bit of turmoil. Anyway, all of that is woven together in this massive play by Rajiv. And one of the things that I think after Guards of the Taj came out and people started talking about it, People talked a lot about the sort of the boldness and the shock value of the stagecraft in that show and the stylization of the stagecraft, which is also true of Bengal Tiger at the Baghdad Zoo, where you had Robin Williams playing a tiger. Do you know what I mean? Like, so it's very form forward and and, uh, and very highly theatrical. What I love about this play that I've only read and not seen is that it actually highlights the part of Rajiv that I really love, which is the quietness of his writing and the 
how, how obsessed with detail and in minuscule human connections he is. That was a big part of Guards of the Taj. When you kind of look past the stagecraft, there was this beautiful story about two men talking about oppressive power um, and talking about religion. And uh, that, to me, was what the heart of that play is. And this play is all heart in that sense. And so it kind of weaves through very, very complicated Russian history uh, in a way that doesn't feel dry or academic. This is not Oslo. You know, this is this is something that feels deeply rooted in human connections and generations. So um, I think it's actually the an example of what I love the most about this very celebrated writer. And I'm really excited that people are going to get to see this uh, and be able to, to see perhaps more of a, more of a downbeat side of Rajiv. So I'm very, very, very excited about this. Oh, just to say, this is uh, directed by uh, Giovanna Sardelli, uh, who is a director that you, name you may not have heard, but uh, who is a brilliant director and is, I think, best when she uh, is directing sort of uh, very uh, politics-forward work, which this is. She's worked a lot with the playwright Rogelio Martinez, who writes basically exclusively about politics. And the cast is kind of extraordinary. It's people that you've seen uh, many times before in town. It's Tina Benko. It's Danny Burstein. It's Rebecca Naomi Jones. And then a bunch of other people who uh, are wonderful um, who you may not have heard of. Uh, so, yeah, this is November 10th to December 24th um, at the Atlantic Theater Company. Cool. And the way to try to get cheap tickets to the Atlantic is to get one of their back 20, right. which is, I think, for all of the preview yeah, performances. Yeah, that's usually what it is. Yeah. But they're limited, so you have to f- jump on those when they go on sale, which they probably already are on yeah. sale. And that's like in the back of the house, right? Those well, tickets are- it used to be that... That was why they called it the back 20. They would sell like essentially the back two rows. Right. But now I believe they reserve the right to put you wherever right. they mm. have a space on the night of the performance. Yeah. And, and don't be scared about that. This is in the Linda Gross Small Theater, theater yeah. which there's not a bad seat in that house. Yeah, it's yeah. one of my favorite theaters in New York. But I it love is it. It's the big Atlantic Theater. It's small theater, but of the two yeah. Atlantic stages. The Linda Gross the that's stage. in the old church yeah, yeah. on I think 20th Street or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, I'm super excited. Great. Okay, Jose. So I need to get something off my chest and out of my system before doing my official first preview entry. And it's that, oh my God, we don't do holiday shows, but Kathy Rigby is having a holiday show and everyone should go see it because Kathy Rigby is going to be Kathy Rigby and Andrew Keenan Bolger. Like, can you imagine like two cute, cuter? Like, who, who is that? Andrew Keenan Bolger. No, I know Andrew Keenan Bolger. Who was the first name you said? Kath- Shame on you. It's Kathy Rigby. I don't know who that is. I'm so sorry. Peter Pan. Did you? Oh like, my God, of course. Yeah, Did yeah, you yeah. have no child? Sorry, I didn't. No, I missed Peter Pan in all of its theatrical forms when I was a child. Uh, we can talk about that later. That's a whole other so thing. So you need Bedlam to go see that. Bedlam is doing Peter Pan. I know. Everybody's doing the Peter Pans. Yeah. But Kathy Rigby's not going to be in that one. No, she's not. Well, anyway, Kathy Rigby. I'm so uh, sorry. Kathy Rigby's going to be in town. Anyway, my <laughs> official, <laughs> my official entry is a play called Hot Mess by uh, Dan Rothenberg and Colleen Crabtree. Basically, the reason why I'm excited about this play is because, well, first of all, it's a romantic comedy, and I think we all need some laughs. Like, uh, I don't want to go see any, like, more dramas about, like, politics forever. (laughs) And also, it stars Max Krum, who I absolutely love. He's always so charming in everything he does. And uh, Lucy DeVito, who is... Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman's daughter. So she's very funny. She's in that she's show. She's incredible. She's one of my yeah. favorite actors in New York. She's great. So the reason why I think this show sounds really exciting is because, you know, they play a couple. And, well, yes, obviously that's why I find it exciting. They play a couple. 
And then they, the premise is that they're talking about moving on and moving forward with the relationship, but they're disclosing all their former partners. So she's talking about her ex-boyfriends and learns that he also had an ex-boyfriend. So I don't think we ever get to see bisexual characters on stage. Sure, yeah. Much less in like a mainstream comedy. So I'm really looking forward to this. This starts uh, previews on November 7th, and I'm not sure when it, when the official opening date is, but I'm assuming it's like, I don't know, like two weeks after that. And that's playing at the Theater Center, which is where the Fantastics played for a thousand years. <laughs> right. Hmm, cool. Yeah. I like for it. Bye. So I wanted to talk about one show which I have seen a previous version of, which is 100 Days from the Bensons, which we talked about because it was included in the Under the Radar Festival at the Public Theater last January. And the Bensons are a couple who have a band, and they just go by that moniker, but I believe that's also their last name, right? Yeah, the Bensons, yeah. yeah. Am I saying it wrong? Uh, what did you say? I was just kidding. I was not emphasizing the G as much as you just did. <laughs> oh, that could just be an accent. But it thing. also that I have like a cold remnant, yeah, yeah. so it could be that I'm just like nasally and flummy. <laughs> Apologize, no, listeners. Absolutely, Sorry it's a virus that. that swallows G's. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So this is playing at New York Theater Workshop from November fifteenth to through December thirty first. It's directed by Ann Kaufman, and this is basically a musical concert i think is the best way to describe it and i assume the format hasn't changed since uh moving it from the festival circuit to new york theater workshop and it's their love story that occurred over 100 days and they wrote this musical numbers to tell their story the music is very upbeat and fun i would describe it as kind of an indie pop folk genre absolutely they're extremely talented you can hear a lot of the music online the version of it that's on spotify i don't think actually very well reflects what you will see in the show i think they've really punched up a lot of the numbers from when that recording got put on there but there are a lot of videos online of them singing that i think reflects very well the music of the show this show is upbeat it is a love story it's kind of a rom-com in, in, in the way that a musical concert could be described as a rom-com i loved the show when i saw it in january i'm so exciting i'm so excited that it's getting a slightly uh, larger venue with a longer run i think it's fantastic this would be a great date show <laughs> and i'm just thrilled that something fun is coming to the stage uh, given the you know current climate in america so i highly recommend this the tickets the way to get cheap tickets to new york theater workshop is to jump on one of the first two performances where they price their tickets for 25 dollars. those are pretty much sold out for this show after that they go up to 65 and then 85 dollars. so they do get a little bit expensive they typically have a rush line same day so you can try that i want to mention that it's directed by ann kaufman if I didn't mention that earlier. And there's one familiar face, Joe Lampert, who I know has a local following. She's in, she's part of their artistic family and she's in the show. She was in it at 
the public and she'll be in it here as well. Yeah. She was in it the public right when she got the news that she was going to be playing Joan of Arc yes. a little bit later. Um, the thing that, can I just say one thing about the show Please that I do. love that I, and I love that you did not mention is that this is indeed like a, a very warm, loving musical concert, but it is a loving, upbeat musical concert about death. Mm-hmm. And the the sort of it, it what you this is not spoiling anything. What you learn moments into the show is that when these two met, they were met with the idea that one of them was going to die, and they're a part of the music. It musical is dealing with that through their lo- through their enchanting love story, um, and so even though it is an upbeat thing, I, th- I we can't mention Ann Kaufman's name too many times because she adds this. There is an unease in her direction. There is an uh, not not in her skill, but in in the tone of the show. There is a darkness to it that doesn't make this a, a depressing show by any stretch of the imagination, but that does raise the stakes a little bit about what is going to happen to this couple in a way that I thought was really really beautiful um, when when it was at under the radar. So yeah, it's great to see it. Well, and that's key to undercutting the earnestness totally. of it because if it was just a love story, it would be gross yeah it would kind of be gross <laughs> because love uh, is gross yeah and and they love each other so much uh, yeah you would be kind of not <laughs> you would be like oh the they're experience. so in love that's great no but yeah there's a real uh, urgency to it and it's it's so them and it's also great that like this is going to be the season of the bangsons too because they have yes a, i wanted to mention that to mention so the bensons have a show coming to ars nova in the spring called the lucky ones oh i don't know if i said this but they actually have a artist who writes their shows with them her name is sarah gancher and she's also involved in the lucky ones at ars nova and i wanted to put that on everyone's radar so that you can be on the lookout for it in case I go do politics and the podcast goes <laughs> on some kind of hiatus for 2018 don't so say that just be aware. Put that on your calendar. Put it in your Google alerts or your Google calendar alert. Yeah. I don't know how technology works. Who knows? I feel no like one there's knows. There's a way to forecast something that you want to be aware of to set a reminder. You can ask Siri or Alexa to set a reminder for you months in the future, and they uh, will. I, I definitely yeah. don't know how to do that. Who, I don't know who any of those women are. I uh, yeah, and also just to say, Sarah Gancher is an incredible playwright in her own right, and uh, she's actually gonna be even busier than the Bengtsons somehow because she's got all kinds of plays happening all around she's actually got a play happening right now called Seder play up at uh huntington stage oh, wow. um, i think it's huntington stage or hartford stage shit i can't it's one of the two um but sarah ganger is a really remarkable she had a play at the flea last year that was amazing and she's great too so yeah cool okay jack what's next for you oh golly so uh speaking of shows that we've seen in smaller venues that are now transferring to larger venues and this is gonna there's gonna be some disclosure shit happening right now the play I want to talk about is called Veiled by Monet Hurst Mendoza. The reason I have to do some disclosure shit is because Monet Hurst Mendoza is currently a member of the Public Theater's Emerging Writers Group, which is a group that I run, so take that with a, a, a giant spoonful of salt. But, but I don't fuck with y'all, so this is going to be great. Uh, so Veiled was actually debuted. Monet was also a member of the Women's Project Lab, the, the amazing cohort um, that every, uh, every uh, season puts on, or every other season, rather, puts on sort of a festival of new work that is generated by the playwrights, the directors, and the producers who are in that group. So Veiled, I actually saw this a couple years ago in the, in the Pipeline Festival, and now it is getting its splashy world premiere at one of my favorite, like, 
Best Kept Secrets in New York Theater of the Astoria Center for the Performing Arts, which I just fucking love. Uh, it's a beautiful space in an old church uh, out in Queens. Uh, it is absolutely worth the trip to go out. Um, and this play is kind of kooky and wonderful, um, just as Monet is. It's basically, it's about... It, it takes place in New York, and it's about a 16-year-old girl named Dima who has a rare skin condition, uh, and so she wears uh, a veil that covers her entire body and basically stays uh, inside the house, uh, much to the consternation of her um, Afghani immigrant parents. Uh, but she's all right, or she starts to get all right, because she has two friends, Elliot, who's a, a, a poet who hangs out underneath her window, and then she also secretly has a talking pet nurse shark named Speedo who keeps her company. It is this insane combination uh, mashup of styles and ideas that is incredibly earnest and lovely and fun and a little bit dark. And I like it. I, it feels very much like a, um, a kitchen sink play, but not in the traditional way that you're thinking of. It's just everything that I find delightful in theater, this play contains. And uh, I'm really, really glad that uh, the folks out in Queens are giving this a larger platform. So you can uh, see this. It's actually only running for a couple of weeks. It's running from November 2nd to November 18th. Tickets are only $18, though, not including uh, the price of uh, getting out to Queens. And uh, and go out there because God, we we stay in our bubbles in New York City, and we just we all think that you know theater exists in like the three blocks of New York that we know really well, and it doesn't. It's all over the place, and it's great. And this theater has been doing wonderful, wonderful work for years. And anytime I can get someone to go out there to see any show, I feel very happy. But this show in particular is absolutely worth the trip. Can you say the dates again? I can. Those would be November second to November the eighteenth. Cool. And I believe it's got one of those, like, it's only running, like, Thursday through Sunday type of situation. Mm. Oh, and Peron Yousafzadeh is the, is the director. She's incredible. Um, she's one of the, the best directors of new work in New York. I know her a lot in just sort of the reading circuit and stuff, but she's incredible. She's directing this, and uh, so I want to say her name on the radio. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> Jose. Are you going to come visit me in Astoria when you, when you leave the, the island, Jack? Yeah, let's go together. I can't go. What do you mean you can't go? Those dates don't work for me. But anyway, I hope that... Yeah, I, <laughs> Those I, I, dates don't work. Well, then I'll just come out to a story another time. Yeah, sure, sure, Jack. You got grape leaves and stuff out there. I love it. Okay, sure, Jack. They I'll, do! I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. All right. So <laughs> I, I always wonder, you know, like how there's like the whole like Armageddon, like deep impact thing and like how like creative minds end up like thinking about the same ideas and concepts and all of that. So I'm like officially naming... 2000 is this 2017 yeah i don't remember yeah who remembers i'm i'm, I'm officially naming 2017 the, the fall of 12th night because i recently saw illyria at the public theater which is both a prequel to every production of 12th night in new york <laughs> and also a prequel to every shakespeare in the park from now until you know until we all disappear in the nuclear apocalypse or whatever. So anyway. In January. No. Well, this is going to be an after Kathy Rigby show. So oh. yeah, I'm happy about that. Anyway, the folks at Classic Stage Company are doing a production of Twelfth Night. And before you groan and go, they're doing another production of Twelfth Night. This one's by Fiasco Theater Company, which is one of the most fucking like cool 
companies in the universe. Not only did they breathe new life into into the woods, which is like a perfect musical by all means, but their sense of energy and like you always feel like each of the performances is their first. They are so they they're having so much fun on stage and they love what they're doing so much and they are so fucking inventive. I'm like I did not know that a broom could do the things right that they do <laughs> in their shows. So they're doing uh, Twelfth Night, and it's the entire company. If you're familiar with the Fiasco Company, it's the entire company. They're going to be uh, playing all the Shakespeare people. And <laughs> rather than having John Doyle, who is the artistic director of a classic stage company, direct, it's the show's going to be directed by Noah Brody and Ben Steinfeld, who are the Fiasco directors. And if all of this isn't sounding like amazing enough, the show's 90 minutes. Can you imagine Shakespeare in 90 minutes? I mean... Merry Christmas, happy holidays. They say holidays. it couldn't be done. Yeah, like, <laughs> this is, yeah. Yeah, they're so fun. I think the last thing I saw them do besides the Into the Woods was the, was it their two gentlemen? Did they do? Uh, yeah, At uh, Tafana? That yes, was fucking paper, awesome. Like, that was so fun. Yeah, yeah they're, yeah, it's, um, this is, uh, there's no question, This there's been a lot of Twelfth Nights, this is probably gonna be the most fun one. And that play is so much fun to begin with. Like, yeah, I'm very excited to see that too. And this starts previously on November 29th, and it opens officially on December 14th. So Christmas presents as theater tickets for everyone. I love it. Wow. It's rare we get a CSC call out on the podcast, I feel like. But that sounds promising. Okay. The play I want to talk about next is about school girls or the African Mean Girls play by Joyce Lamboy, directed by Rebecca Teichman. This is at MCC Theater. This play is set at a, an exclusive boarding school in Ghana, and it's about some characters who want to participate in a beauty pageant. Now, we know Jocelyn from both her playwriting and her acting. I principally know her as an actor. I don't think I've ever seen a play that she's written, but I know she does that regularly. Yes, she does. You, we, but we recall her as an actor from Everybody as the amazing signature theater usher. Mm-hmm. Um, also in The Blood, and she was in Men on Boats at Playwrights Horizons. So yeah. She's a fantastic actress and i'm very excited that she has a play up at mcc another reason i'm excited about this is zainab jaw is in this play she you may recall her from eclipsed where she just like radiated from the stage i mean i think with her rocket launcher yeah exactly (laughs) um so many people i think discovered her there and then have since become really big fans of hers myself included and then of course rebecca hot off you know broadway success with indecent so i just feel like this is a coming together of people who are really reaching new artistic heights and i'm excited about it and I have seen tickets for this on TDF for $27. $27. Which is a steal. Normally, tickets at MCC are, are pretty pricey. They're between, well, best I could tell, I had to sort of interpret the website. It was not completely transparent. But there are also some preview tickets for $30 and then regular price between like $49 and $69, plus there are premium seats, and thus it gets very confusing. So I'm excited to check that out. Yeah. I, the other thing I'll say about Jocelyn <laughs> as a writer is that, and this is 
this is something I've always just sort of held uh, within me, but like, there's not a lot of playwrights of any level in the American theater who are legitimately funny. I've always like, there's like, there's like theater funny and then there's like actually funny. Yeah. <laughs> and we tend to skirt by on a diet of theater funny throughout the year. Jocelyn's actually really funny, both as an actor, obviously, but also as a playwright. And so I think one of the things to look forward to also in the African Mean Girls play is that chances are you're going to see a legitimately funny show on a New York stage, which is not, you know when you see it, right? When you're mm-hmm. like, oh, no, this is actually really funny as opposed to all the things I was pretending were funny. This, Jocelyn has that gift. So that's an, perhaps another reason to go. Fabulous. I'm trying to bring all the non-drama to the podcast this month. Yeah. <laughs> Let's have some fun. Yeah. All right, Jack, what's next? Speaking of fun, um, so uh, as a... Uh, a person who uh, spends 24 hours a day living in new work and, and both writers and uh, plays at the earliest uh, stages of their, of their lives. There's a a week that I love that happens every so often at the Lark. And if you've heard us talk about the Lark a lot on this podcast, it is an incubator and a safe space for writers to share brand new things. Most of their stuff uh, is closed to the public. It's just resources for playwrights to come in and, you know, read, get some actors together and real play around a table, see see what works, what doesn't. But every so often they do very public things. And this uh, the first week of November, they're doing Playwrights Week, which is basically just like a week-long festival of readings of new plays. And like all things of the Lark, these things are free. So, you know, if you uh, if getting two tickets to the Bengsons set you back uh, more than you'd like, you can still go see these shows. Um, I'm really excited about this particular Playwrights Week. Um, you, you can see the full lineup uh, at the Lark uh, website, but there's some of my favorite playwrights are debuting new work in these reading series. Um, some of them, I should say, as you'll see when you go to the website, are on weekdays in the afternoon, so that might not be accessible to a lot of you, but if those of you who have flexible schedules, um, it's a wonderful time to see something in the afternoon. So there's new plays by Sam Chance, who is an incredible playwright. There's a play called The Antelope Party by Eric uh, John Meyer. I I read this play. It's a play about bronies. Um, and it's about a community of adults whose uh, whose life and and uh, moral code is defined by uh, My Little Pony Princess's uh, happiness. What is it? Is uh, friendship is magic? My Little Pony Friendship is magic is the name of the show. I've been told. Um, a new play by Francisco Mendoza that I'm I will personally be at and that I can't wait to see. And then the thing I'm probably most excited about is one of my absolute favorite playwrights uh, working in the United States right now uh, named Larissa Fasthorse. Uh, she uh, has a play called The Thanksgiving Play that's going to be on Saturday, November 4th at 3 p.m. And this is basically a play about a small town, like a local school, trying to put on a Thanksgiving play in the most PC way possible. And so there are, are Native American folks and white folks kind of having a conversation about how best to do the Thanksgiving story for this school pageant. And it's funny and real and fantastic. Larissa is at once a deeply uh, sort of a very radical writer, but also a sort of very personally poetic writer. Uh, she wrote a play called What Would Crazy Horse Do? that I think got a couple of readings here and there in New York in the last couple of years and is absolutely one of my favorite plays like ever. Um, and so I say that with no ounce of hyperbole. So I, I'm really like... Thanksgiving play is a thing you, I think that you should prioritize, but all the plays that are happening uh, in, in uh, Playwrights Week at the... 
Playwrights Week at the Lark sound really great. So um, yeah, go uh, go check it out. Oh, and it looks like that Monday, October thirtieth. I think you probably won't. This won't be out in time, right? Guess tomorrow. Right. I was gonna say you can meet all the writers on Monday night, mm, but you sorry can't. You Whatever. Anyway, that's cool. I yeah, co-endorse. I mean, I just I love the Lark's programming and. I've, I've never seen a show there that I didn't feel was totally worth my time to make yeah. it to their little space, which is super nice, by the way, on 43rd? Yeah, 43rd. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about the Lark that I love is that it's, it's it even for when audiences are there, it never feels like the the artists they are being put up like put or put under a microscope so we can all judge them their their yeah, brand new place. Yeah, no, it's really it's mutually inc- supportive. It's a very supportive, inclusive, beautiful atmosphere that is curated with such love by the folks who run the Lark, and they have free coffee when you go. So just know that. Don't go to Starbucks <laughs> before you see these readings. They got coffee. Awesome. Okay, Jose. So to celebrate the half a century of the ridiculous theater, theatrical company, La Mama is doing a production of Conquest of the Universe or When Queens Collide by Charles Lutlam, who died 30 years ago. So this is basically, this was basically his take on Tamburlaine by Marlowe. But uh, other than that, you know, like they, it's going to be like a whole uh, Lutlam uh kind of month at La Mama in November because besides doing that, they're also doing a series of free readings of some of his other works, including, uh, which are free, by the way, including uh, Les Bourgeois Avant-Garde and Stage Blood. Besides doing this, they also have this, like, amazing poster exhibit with the works by artists did for the productions that they've done for, for decades. And I also wanted to mention that if you can, if you are not getting enough La Mama out of you know the posters and the free readings and the revival, there's this amazing book on La Mama that just came out last week by Cindy Rosenthal called Ellen Stewart Presents: Fifty Years of La Mama Experimental Theater, which is not only you know an archive of the history of this incredible space, but it has some of the coolest like images that I've seen from like people that was like, Oh my God, these people like hung out with each other. And like, yeah, it's pretty, 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 pretty amazing. Again, like uh, I'm, I'm kind of doing like a, like a holiday gift uh, list kind of thing. Cause you can give people books, tickets, Kathy Rigby posters. So yeah. Just keep the economy alive. <laughs> That's what I I'm say. I'm trying. Christmas is fun. That's what I say. Serve as journalism here on the Maximu podcast. I love it. <laughs> oh, and anything anything Charlie Ludlum is a good just a good thing to have in your life. If you, joy. if you ever want to like just just like get the the book that's the theater of the ridiculous and like just read it. It's it's it it both is like why theater is so important, why it matters and also why it's profoundly stupid. Do you know what I mean? It's, I, I love it. I love the way he thinks about theater. Anyway. Okay. For my final show is actually a collection of three shows. What? I'm cheating a tiny bit, but they're running in rep. And so I <laughs> want to start by saying thank you to Andy Braggin, who brought these to my attention. He is a playwright who wrote a play that we talked about on the podcast called Don't You Fucking Say a Word. It was about tennis uh, at 59E59. So funny. And he, I I was tweeting about the number of plays that are, 
and, and operas and other forms of performance happening in New York City that are around sports. There's a couple of soccer plays, a soccer opera at BAM, and one of the plays in this series that I'm going to talk about is also about tennis. And so he so helpfully emailed me about this new theater company called The Pool, which he had interviewed as part of a podcast that he produces with the new dramatists, hmm. where he interviewed the individuals involved in this. And I'm going to go a little behind the scenes in talking about this, but I think that even if you're just a person who enjoys going to the theater and are not yourself an artist, I think it's important to think about the ways in which independent theater artists struggle to produce work in the city where it is so dang expensive to get work on stage. So this is a group of three playwrights who are producing their own work collectively, and they've created a theater company called The Pool, which they call a pop-up theater company. And the idea is they'll produce their three plays in rep, and then they will pass off the infrastructure they've created to three new artists who I think probably in a year's time will produce their three plays in rep, and mm. then it will produce it'll pass on to new artists. And I love this idea. It kind of reminds me of 13P, mm. except it doesn't implode when it does, when it's done. It takes the learning, the infrastructure, and it passes on, which I think is so wonderful to not just be concerned about producing your own work as part of a group, but thinking about a future generation and how you can foster and support those new artists. So. These three artists are producing three plays, as I've mentioned multiple times already, in rep, <laughs> for a five-week engagement at the Flea Theater. So I believe they're doing a sublet. They're not, they're not part of the Flea's programming. And they are Susan Burnfield's Tanya in the Getaway Van, directed by Portia Krieger. Oof, Yes. Peter Gill Sheridan's The Rotha Play, directed by Morgan Gould. That's the tennis play about tennis superstar Rafael Nadal, who goes by Rafa. And then finally, Lynn Rosen's Washed Up on the Potomac, directed by Jose Zayanis. And, you know, to be honest, most of these artists I haven't heard of. I am familiar with Morgan Gould because she directed Kentucky, yes, which we love on this podcast. And is a great playwright in her own right, currently at the Juilliard School. Fabulous. And so these are happening from December 15th. No, November 15th through December 16th. And the official opening is November 27th. And I just, I love that these artists are coming together to support each other and also thinking big picture about how they can support future artists. I love that model. And I look forward to seeing what they produce. Now, I think there were a couple other things folks wanted to mention. Well, Jose, you had a thing. I have all the things, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's why I'm back. All of them. At the risk of being booted by all listeners from the podcast, <laughs> I will talk about movies. And I, I'm sorry, but I promise it's going to be worth it. I don't think you're that so, sorry. Yeah, I'm not. So <laughs> November is actually a great month for people who love theater to go to the movies. And I am not going to like sell you on like the latest like Oscar, you know, like, oscar kind of movie with like some like adaptation of like something starring Meryl Streep. Rather... I like how you suggest that that's something you wouldn't be interested in. <laughs> because I wouldn't be. 
I mean, I would go see it, but I would I would be like, we follow you on Twitter, Jose. We know. I would be annoyed about it. <laughs> but cuz I can I can already like envision like, you know, like Meryl's tripping the humans and I'm like rolling my eyes. Anyway, yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Uh Hollywood. Anyway, like there are two major things happening in movie theaters in November. The first one is Doc NYC, which is the largest documentary festival in North America. And this year, they have an incredible selection of theater-related movies. One of them is called Repeat Attenders, which is about how crazy people go when they obsess over a show. For instance, in this movie, there's one of the people they're focused on is a person who's seen cats hundreds of times. Did you hear that, Jack? Hundreds of times. I did hear that. Hundreds. Hundreds. Can you imagine that? Anyway... (laughs) They also have like an incredible documentary on Lorraine uh, Hansbury. And one of my favorite movies that I've seen all year long, which is called Rebels on Point, which is a documentary about uh, the ballet Trocadero de Monte Carlo. It's one of the most heartwarming, exciting, sexy, funny movies that I've seen all year long. So Mm -hmm. if you love those guys, go see it. And if you're not familiar with the trucks, this is the way to start. The thing that I'm really excited about is happening at the Quad. So did you guys know, because I didn't, that in 1973, there was this like visionary movie producer called Eli Landau who wanted to preserve all like the great plays in a movie form. So for two seasons in a row, he managed to find the funding to film, no, not to film, to make movie versions of 14 like classic plays. Mm. And he got, for two years in a row, he got subscribers to come to the movie theater to see this place. Really? Yeah. So they were, all these 14 movies were produced by the same guy. And like, apparently you would come to the movie theater and there would be like ushers, you would get a program, there would be intermissions. And these were not, you know, like lame productions of stuff. These are like, one of the things that I, I saw was Catherine Hepburn in a delicate balance, which is like I had I didn't even know Catherine Hepburn had done a movie version of this. And it's not like, you know, like it's not like a, an archival like recording or anything. Right. It's like a movie. It's like a movie. So uh they recorded well, I keep saying recorded. They made movie versions of things like Rhinoceros, which reunited Zero Mustel and Gene Wilder. They did The Maids with uh Susanna York and Glenda Jackson, who's gonna be on Broadway next season. Jesus. Yeah. Can you imagine that? I, I, I don't have to because yeah. I can go to the quad. Yeah. <laughs> and they did uh, The Iceman Cometh, which is coming back to Broadway also next season. They did the full on four hour, you know, like version. There's of no it. other way to do it. And you would they would split it in two sessions. So people would see the first part one night and then they would come back for the second part next night. So they have they also have uh, three sisters, uh, Luther. The Man in the Glass Booth, Lost in the Stars, In Celebration, The Homecoming, and Galileo. And this is happening through the second half of November at the Quad. And also, if you haven't been to the Quad, it's been, uh, it was renovated earlier this year. And it's one of the most beautiful spaces in New York City. And it has some of the most comfortable seats. Yes, it does. So, there it's a temple go. to film. That's yeah. so exciting. That's awesome, Jose. Thanks for broadening our theatrical horizons. Um, <laughs> I try. 
And then, like, there's all kinds of other shit happening in December, right? Did you hear Kathy Rigby's coming to town? I, someone did tell me that. Someone did tell me that. Um, and now I, I, because as you know, I'm a lifelong fan of hers. Um, I'm gonna, <laughs> I don't know. It's gonna, I don't know. There's a lot of good stuff. I mean, it feels like this has been a really great fall um, for the theater. There's been a lot of great shit that's like all closing right now. So I'm hoping that those shows will be replaced by equally great things. And since we're all depressed, we might as well spend our time at the theater, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for being here. Thank you, Lindsay, for having us. It is always a pleasure, Jack. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Maximu Theater and Performance Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or opinions that differ from our own, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us all on Twitter. Maximu is at Maximu. Jack is at Jack in Brooklyn. Jose is at Jose Solis Mayen. And I'm at Lindsay Behrens. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we have merch. You can buy coffee mugs, tote bags, and stickers with your favorite Maximu-isms on them. You can get to the store via Maximu.com. All proceeds go to helping the podcast improve our sound quality. Thank you. Theatrical Media.